worship. And uh, they're, not only are they talented and anointed, but they're perseverant. And uh, even when the sound system is acting up between Sunday school and church, I don't know what happened. I started changing Brian's channel, trying to find, he was doing it all just by, had no, he couldn't hear himself. And uh, so we're, we're thankful for people that will just keep pushing through. And uh, I know how frustrating that can be when you can't hear yourself. And uh, so I, I honor them today. But uh, I want to just do one more thing because <clears throat> while you were worshiping, I was trying to get Brian to hear. And so I'm just going to ask you, would you just one more time just worship together just to get me back into the frame of, of mind for the service? Can we do that right now? Jesus, I love you. I adore you. I exalt you. You are high and lifted up, and your train fills this temple. Oh, glory to the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Thank you. We're going to pray one more time before you're seated. All of you that are heading to the South Country on Friday to Mexico, would you just come and stand around the, across the front? These folks are heading down south to do some ministry work over the border, and we want to just put a hedge of protection around them. If you would just come and gather around these six folks today, and let's just begin to pray over them that the Lord would keep them safe, <clears throat> that the Lord would use them. In the mighty name of Jesus, <clears throat> by your authority and your power, Lord, by the anointing of your word, this church binds together, Lord, for Jason and Randy and Taryn and Travis and Laura and Chelsea as they travel this week, Lord, to, to minister to those that are less fortunate, to minister to those who need to hear the word of the Lord. I'm asking you to send them as light and salt Use them for your glory. Use them for your kingdom. Allow, Lord, the, the, the glory of the ages to camp round about them and emanate from them so that people can see who you are. Lord, keep your hedge of protection around them in everything they go across the border and all the things that go into all of that. I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, for sweet sailing. I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, just to let everything fall right into place. We'll be careful to give you glory and honor and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you for your prayers. You can be seated. If you'll just remember to keep these six in your prayers beginning uh, Friday. They'll be heading to Mexico on Friday. They'll be gone for about a week. And ask the Lord to use them in a mighty way. Praise God. Praise God. There is... An anointing power that God is releasing in Spirit of Grace Church. And uh, I, if, as you're turning to Ephesians chapter 3, I need to mention just because it's the legal thing that we have to do. On the 27th of this month, right after service, is going to be our annual business meeting. Uh, and... We have three seats that are open to serve on our church board, and uh, nominations have to be turned in by next Sunday, the 13th. After that, it's closed. Um, you can nominate anybody except for my wife and Bertie Boyer and Cheryl Perkins. Praise God. Cheryl and Bertie are in the middle of their terms. We have three open seats uh, to to vote on and seat, so all nominations will be, and we'll reveal those nominations uh, so that you have time to um, ask any questions or whatever. And then on the 27th, we'll have our annual business meeting. Uh, shortly, we'll take a 10-minute break after service or something, and then we'll uh, have our annual business meeting. Praise God. In Ephesians chapter 3, um, my wife mentioned a little bit about what God has been doing here. And uh, 
during our boot camp in the summer, he planted some stuff in us when we really didn't totally understand what he was doing, he was beginning the groundwork for what he's leading us into. And uh, we did, we called it boot camp, but it was, it was really nine messages that started with the letter S. And we shared all that, and, and you'll have to go to the website and go to our YouTube page to get all those from back then. <clears throat> but... Uh, and then when we closed out the boot camp with Pastor Suber joining us and he released us into something new, and like my wife said, a lot of times when we say that or we believe that or we sense that, we want to run 100 miles an hour to see the fulfillment of it, okay? But you have to understand that in the majority of God's creation, there is a season or a process of growth, the great redwood trees of California don't happen overnight. In fact, you cut a tree, uh, 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 cut down a tree, you can figure out how old it is by the rings that are in there. Listen, in, in, in the history of this church, we've planted things and God has added rings, but he's just getting us to the next level. This is a process that takes place. And so... In September, I, I started asking, okay, I said, Lord, you just said that you wanted something new. You wanted something uh, that you're, you're anointing and you're leading us and guiding us into. And so I began to search and research, and God gave me a picture that I shared with my wife on vacation in October. And so we're sitting out on the, the deck looking out the beautiful Gulf of Mexico and uh, I gave it to her, and like she said tonight, we just this morning we just kind of stared at one another. I said, "Cause I don't know how this all works, and I don't know how what this all means, and God's going to have to lead and guide us." And we're looking on a several-year journey, not just a one or two week or month journey. And so we just began to pray about it. I began to just write all kinds of things down, and and read all kinds of books, and tried to find out what God was trying to speak into my heart. And I believe he began to give me the picture, if you will, uh, during the Christmas season. And was it already two weeks ago? A week and a half ago on Thursday night, we met with our leadership team, and we began to share some of this with them. And you could sense the anointing of God sweep into that room. It was palpable. It was powerful. And uh, coming out of that room, um, and between that Thursday and last Sunday, my wife said, well, when are you going to start preaching about it? I was like, I don't know. Give me a second. Because <laughs> he's doing it layer upon layer. And, and can I just tell you, it's really nothing new because there's nothing new under the sun. It's just a new revelation for me, and I believe it's a new revelation for this church. And I don't know of any other church that is going to promote it the way that we're going to promote it through our messages and how we operate and how we, how we function. Um, but I believe that the Lord has given me a key to become the church that he wants us to become. And so I'm going to preach a message today, and I can't tell you that one message is going to wrap everything up. <laughs> okay, it's going to be probably a couple years worth as the Lord adds here, adds there to get this and we're just going to grow with it as a church. And as we grow with it, God's just going to begin to add people, add ministries, add talents, add all kinds of things uh, because I believe that we're doing this according to Scripture. And so today I'm going to give you just kind of a snapshot of what I'm talking about. And then you're just going to be stuck praying about it. And uh, over the next months, we're going to be sharing it with our leaders, and we're going to be sharing it in different ways, uh, and you're going to sense it in the way the service runs. You're going to sense it in the way that we operate and think. Praise God. I I'm reading from Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 3. I'm reading from the ESV, and it simply says this, For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, 
how the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it now has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power uh, to me. Though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach the Gentile, to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring the light to everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. Now I want you to notice this. He's now getting ready to reveal or bring to light the plan of the mystery that had been hidden for ages, okay, in God who created all things. Verse number uh, 10, so that through the church, everybody say that's me, through the church, you can't tell me that the church isn't important. You can't tell me that it's not important that we gather together as believers. You can't, you'll never convince me that just doing online stuff is okay. You'll never convince me that you can be the church unto yourself. It's through the church. The whole definition of the church is the gathering together of believers. It's important to be here as part of the church because Paul is revealing the mystery right here and he's saying, through the church... Now, I don't know what that does to you, but that puts a whole lot of responsibility on us. I feel the weight of that. God has given us the responsibility to reveal, or through the church, verse 10, the manifold wisdom of God. Think of that. Our calling Well, pastor, I don't know what my calling is. I'll tell you what your calling is if you're part of the church. It's through you that the manifold wisdom of God would be made known. Listen, if people are outside of the church, it's very rare that they will ever find the manifold wisdom of God until they experience the church. Okay, you kind of, some of you heard that. We are the written epistle. We are the ambassador of Christ. We are the advertisement of the Holy One. When people that don't know who he is is looking for something to fill their life, and God is trying to reach them. He uses the church to reveal the manifold wisdom of God. It's up to you and I to be so close to him that we reflect him to those that are searching for the wisdom of Almighty God. Man, I haven't even finished my text. But I want you to also notice in verse 10, so that the church, or through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. You have to remember that. We'll get back to that. This was according to the eternal purpose. Everybody say eternal. Has no beginning, has no end. It's always been God's purpose. Everything that we just read was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord and in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. Now, I'm going to share with you, and like I've said quite often lately, I'm going to do a little treaching today and uh, share with you what... I believe the Lord has placed on my heart for this church. So would you just close your eyes 
And if you're a guest here today, you're getting the picture of what we want to become. And I hope that you'll embrace it with us. Jesus, I'm asking you to fill me up and pour me out upon your people today. Give me the words to say and the right way to say it. Lord Jesus, let the anointing of God flow through me. Lord, give each hearer uh, ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to embrace what you're saying to the church in this last day. I'm asking you, Lord, for a special outpouring of your spirit upon this house today so that we can receive what you have for us in the house of the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So in order to help us today, I've got a series of charts that I'm going to show you, and I'm going to, my message is just going to be the explaining of these charts that I created very quickly so they're not professional, accurate uh, renditions. They're better than hand-drawn, but they're not perfect. So if you'll put the first one up on the screen. I, I want you to notice here God's eternal purpose or heaven before time began. And then I want you to notice down here on the bottom the church or the earth. I believe, and then you'll see the, the, the box connecting the two. I believe if you turn to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And then he goes on for all the creative days. Okay? His desire from before he started time was that he would have something connecting him to the earth. I don't know why he chose the earth and not Pluto. We'll ask him someday if we even think of it. But I do believe this, that on the earth, in fact, Jesus told us to pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, his, one, one of his main purposes, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break it down, but, but the underlying purpose is he wanted to be connected to those on the earth. And the way he wanted to be connected was very specific in the days of creation. So bring up the next slide for me. He wanted a two-fold purpose to connect himself to the earth. And I'm going to share this in Scripture. But there's an arm of the kingdom of God. We read that all through Scripture. The kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God describes whose kingdom it is. The kingdom of heaven describes the expanse of what that kingdom is. But then he also wanted to have a house or a family connection. So if you go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, the God said, let us make man in our image and let him have dominion over the fowl of the air and the fish of the sea and all, all the dominion, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay? Now, you have to understand that the word, when he said, let us make man, do you know that that word man is Adam? Adam is not simply and solely a gender. Man, in the case of Scripture, is not simply a solely a gender. It is uh, a position. It is all humanity. It is mankind. Male and female, he created them both under the umbrella of man. Okay, are are you following along? So when I start talking today, don't think that I'm leaving you ladies out. Okay? Okay. Because the Son in Scripture has much more to do with position than it does with gender. Now, I'll get to that a little bit further as I go along here, but it'll explain to you why the Bible says that God manifests himself in flesh and declared him to be his Son, the only begotten Son. Okay, it, it had more to do with the position that God was taking up than it had to do with the fact that he was a male Hebrew boy. Now, now I, I want you to notice this. You see, the church has missed this point right here. All of Scripture and all of time... God was trying to connect the two things to earth, a kingdom and a house. A kingdom and a house or a family. Everything else falls under one of those. 
why we are healed is to reveal the glory of God. We're to reveal the glory of the kingdom. The power, the authority, the dimensions of God are revealed through the kingdom, if you will, or the majesty of the kingdom. A kingdom has to have a king. And for whatever reason, God chose earth to be where he wanted to set his kingdom up. It's the reason why Jesus is called the king of kings. He oversees the kingdom. And when you step into the kingdom and you're born of the water and of the spirit and you become a new creature in Christ, you step into the kingdom of God and you fulfill the establishment of his original purpose in the world. Now, here's what that does. It restores dominion. But then on the flip side... He wanted us also not to just be that, but Luke 3.38 tells us that Adam was called the son of God. So what he's really saying is I want two things for the people that I'm creating. I'm wanting to have the dominion of the kingdom, but I'm wanting you to also have the intimacy of the relationship with God. Next slide. Then Adam and Eve messed up. And sin entered because of their disobedience. And because of their sin, and again, I, these drawings are kind of weak, but, but notice the line that I've got. There is a break that took place when Adam and Eve sinned so that the church or earth, members of humanity, could no longer belong to the kingdom and could no longer belong to the house because the sin created a chasm between the connection that God had in the cool of the day. Let me bring it to you um, in Minnesota style. What's the worst thing about Minnesota? Oh, my Lord. (laughs) How many have ever heard that Minnesota has two seasons? What are the two seasons? Winter and road construction. Why do we have road construction? All right. I'll answer the question for myself. Because of the potholes. And those potholes need to be filled and fixed so that when you drive over them, you don't have to get a realignment and new tires. When Adam and Eve sinned, they created a pothole in the relationship with God. You see, the relationship that they had with God, Adam had dominion. He had the kingdom aspect of it. He named all of the animals. He named all of the trees, and he named all of the things that were around, and he was there to keep the the, the garden, if you will. He had kingdom authority, but then he met with God in the cool of the day and had relationship and communion with him. He had both the kingdom and the house, but when he sinned, he created a pothole. So he's up here, and he creates this pothole before, because of our sin, and he separates us now. So when you are born naturally as a baby, this little baby down here is absolutely perfect in the eyes of God. His relationship with God right now is pre-pothole. But should the Lord tarry? Because of his humanity, there's going to come a time where somewhere along the line, he's going to mess up and trip into the pothole. 
And what needs to happen is God needs to get us out of the pothole and put back on the right road. What was that? What am I talking about? What did Adam lose when he fell? I'll tell you what he lost. He lost his dominion and he lost his intimacy. And from that moment forward, God has been trying to patch up the divide that Adam and Eve did so that you and I can step out of the pothole and step back into reunion with him and have communion with him and have kingdom dominion and family intimacy. Are you following? Is it making sense so far? So how does he do that? Next slide. He became man. John 1.14, the Logos, the Word, became flesh and dwelt among us. Why did he become man? Because he was stepping into the office of the Son and the office of the heir. The heir, you, you see, kingdoms are not established by election. They are established by birth. So when Jesus was born as the Son of God, God himself was stepping into the position of the heirship of the kingdom. He was creating something that could restore and reconcile and fill in the pothole to restore dominion of the kingdom to the people that came after him. I, I hope you're chewing on this. But not only that, he came as a son to fulfill the intimacy. So because Jesus came and laid himself out, the chasm that was created by sin of Adam was restored so that you and I now have an avenue to reclaim what was originally designed for us, which was the kingdom dominion of Almighty God, to fulfill his purpose. But not only that, because he died on a cross, because he became a son and stepped into the position of mankind, he created an avenue for you and I to have intimacy with him. Oh. That, that's, that's what it means when he revealed it in Christ Jesus or realized it or fulfilled it. He came so that he could restore his purpose on earth. Now, I'm going to say something, and, and I, 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 I'm just taking a chance. Because I don't want to mess you up and send you down a spiraling. And I don't have time to prove it all today. But you can talk to me later. Can I tell you that you and I, if we are to spend eternity with Jesus, is going to spend eternity with him on the earth? Here's what I mean by that. The Bible says heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. But he also says, and I saw a new earth and a new heaven. And coming out of heaven to earth, I don't know what that earth is going to look like. It may not be exactly like what we have on earth today, but there's going to be a new earth. And, he, and John said, I saw coming down from out of heaven the new Jerusalem, and it settled on the earth, and the nations came in and out and did business. And there, in that city there was no need for, for the sun and the moon and the stars because Jesus is the light. Where we spend eternity with him is the new Jerusalem. It's the place that he is preparing. And the Bible says it came out of heaven. That's going to be the ultimate fulfillment of God's purpose, is to set up his kingdom here. So if that's the ultimate purpose, if God really wanted to, and if Adam and Eve would have really cooperated 
we would have never had all the in-between stuff. He would have set up his kingdom. He would have had his intimacy for eternity. But Adam and Eve messed it up. And so God went into restoration mode. Not to restore people, but to restore his kingdom and to restore his family, which ultimately becomes about the people. So what does that have to do with us? Next slide. You see, Jesus, when he was born in this world, was born in this world so that you and I could become a part of his body. Many members, one body. Jesus is the head of the body. The body of Christ on earth, known as the church. Can I tell you, when God became flesh and bridged that gap, he did so that now, through the cross, through Jesus, you and I have an opportunity to be restored to both the kingdom and the house. I don't know what that does for you, but it lets me know that no matter how bad our situation is, I am a part of the kingdom of God. I have been restored to my place of dominion, not because of something that I could do, but because God became flesh dwelt among us and died on a cross and because of Jesus I can stand in the power of his glory. But not only that, I can boldly go into the throne room of grace because not only did he uh, uh, reconcile or rest restore my kingdom dominion, he also restored my intimacy dominion. See, this is what's, the church for so long has become so preoccupied with aspects of the kingdom and aspects of the family that they forget that the ultimate purpose is to restore the family and to restore the kingdom. Can I just tell you, that when you are under the anointing of Almighty God, you are possessing, you are uh, expressing a kingdom dominion. But when you have an intimacy with God, you are expressing the family of God. Now, 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 let me just tell you how powerful this is. There are two kings that we read of in the Old Testament that were the anointed of God. The first one was Saul. And when he was anointed, he became God's anointed. And he possessed kingdom qualities. And he reigned over Israel. And he was a king that stood above other kings. But then there came another boy named David. And Samuel comes to the house of Jesse and lets his brothers all line up. And none of them are worthy to be anointed for the kingdom. Is that the only kids you got? Well, I got some little boy out in the, shot, out in the, out in the pasture. Bring him in. And when the boy walks through the door, Samuel said, he's the one. And he anoints him with oil from the top of his head to the sole of his feet. And he becomes the anointed king of Israel. But he wasn't king right away. And he wasn't king right away because there was another anointed and I want you to notice something. What does Saul do? Saul embraces the anointed one. Brings David in to play his harp. Gives David a seat at the table. Let's David experience some of the family structure 
allows his son to become best friends with David, the anointed king to be. And here's where the disconnect comes. Saul, in his anointed state of the kingdom, attempted to create his intimacy with the next anointed one in the kingdom when God's design for man was not to be intimate with other kings, but to be intimate with him. And because Saul refused to get intimate with him, he lost out on the family structure of the purpose of God and had to be removed from the kingdom of God. But David... That's why, that's why David, when he had the opportunity to kill Saul, said, I, I'm not going to touch God's anointed. He was anointed. He had kingdom authority. But he refused to draw his intimacy with God. And he drew his intimacy with the other anointed king and with a witch of Endor. Somebody hear me today. Please hear me today. Just because you're anointed doesn't mean you're restored. There's a lot of voices out there that are anointed, but they're not restored. They even walk in kingdom principles. What are kingdom principles? Healing ministry. I, I know this is a little thick. This is what God's been talking to me about. Deliverance ministries. Those are kingdom. Kingdom anointing. You see, people can get up and preach under the anointing mantle of the kingdom and not have the mantle of intimacy so they're not whole in their presentation. And what ends up happening is the people that hear are attracted to the one that's anointed instead of the one that has anointed and so what ends up happening is we begin to listen to these voices and we succumb to their ministries. But when God begins to deal with us about that ministry, we don't want to mess with the anointing. And so we just swallow ourselves up in it and we're missing the other half of the purpose of God's restoration. And we struggle and we fight. And so what ends up happening is we run from one miracle to the next, from one healing to the next. And when you go to a church that doesn't have the healings and the deliverances happening every service, we think that they're missing something. Could it be that those services where the operation and the anointing of the kingdom isn't happening is one of those services where God is saying, step out of the kingdom and come into the family? Come around the supper table. Dine with me. Commune with me. Don't worry about the miraculous. Don't worry about the, the, the deliverance. Don't worry about all of the kingdom stuff right now. I just want to be with you. I've said this a lot. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's not people. If he knows everything and he knows where we're at and he knows the number of hairs or lack thereof on your head, if he knows what the sparrow's going to do in the morning, if he knows all of that, he knows where the most vile sinner is. They are not lost. What has been lost is the kingdom and the family. 
And Jesus came to seek and to save that. I want you in my kingdom, but I also want you in my family. It's the reason why an adulterer, murderer, liar becomes a man after God's own heart. Because the kingdom is restored in David by the anointing power and divine touch of God. But then beyond the kingdom, he anoints David through his intimacy, through all of the psalms that David writes, the communion, the encouraging of himself in the Lord. He restores the family concept. Something begins to happen. I, I, I believe this. What God has been doing is trying to establish in us our anointing for the kingdom and our intimacy for the family. What the last eight months has been all about was God saying, come on, spirit of grace. I've got something for you to do in my kingdom. I've got miracle signs and wonders to perform among you and through you. I've got deliverance that's going to happen. I've got hope that's going to be refilled. I've got purpose. I've got plans. I've got all of these things that are kingdom divinely appointed to be reestablished. But I've also got something where I want to embrace you and draw you closer than I've ever had you before. I want to be more intimate with you than I ever have before. I want you to know my heart more than you ever have before because if I can get you restored in the kingdom and I can get you restored in the family, my purpose on earth is going to be fulfilled. I, I, I pray that you're getting this. I pray that it, some of it's absorbing. Notice, though, this. Who are you and I talking about? The Lord revealed this this week in this scripture. Verse number 10. So that through the church... Through you and through me and through us together, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Can I just tell you, he has designed us to speak to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. He has placed in us the ministry of reconciliation and restoration. Oh, somebody hear me today. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world. It's not about us, and it's not about the sinner. It's about the reestablishment of the dominion and the authority and intimacy of the kingdom of God in the earth. Oh, you've got to get this. Go back one, one, one deal before we get to the restored part. Go back one, one slide for me. Notice... Who is in charge of the in-between? The prince and the power of the air. <clears throat> but notice something. God described him as a prince, not a king. No, 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 no. You're not getting it. Your enemy, your demon, your devil your boogeyman, whatever you want to call him, is only a prince. But you have been restored to the house of the king. 
And the last I heard, a prince has no power over the king. Oh, my God. I'm so tired of the devil getting his props for things that he has nothing to do with. He's only a prince. He's only a prince. He's only a prince. I'm a king's kid. And I have been anointed by the kingdom and brought in intimacy with the family. He has no power. Well, pastor, what about this and this and this and this? Is it a spirit? Is it this? Is it this? Can can I just tell you? We give the demonic spirits so many more, so much more credit. You got to understand something today. I understand that the enemy's at work. I am underst- I understand that there are demons and, and evil spirits in the world. I've seen them cast out. But can I just tell you something? We label this spirit stuff. Can I tell you what got the church in trouble in the first place? Is the concept of exorcism. Now, now, now don't, don't lose track with me yet. When Jesus dealt with anybody that was possessed of the devil, do you want to know what he would say? Shut up. And with the man of Gadara, who had thousands of spirits possessing him. No, no, no. You've got to understand, you've got to get the picture of this. One preacher called him the original streaker. The man from Gadara didn't wear any clothes, ran around in the cemetery, had all kinds of devils. The Bible says when, when, when Jesus asked who he was, they said, I'm legion, and for we are many. The word legion has been tossed about, but anywhere from 2,000 to 12,000 demons. This man, when he saw Jesus in his flesh, overcame 2,000 demons to run to the feet of Jesus and fall before Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is the king of kings and the demons only answer to a prince. And because you and I were designed to be kings and queens in the kingdom of God, joint heirs with Jesus, our flesh has more power than the enemy. So these, this man with these demons, this story has stood out to me for years because of some of, there's a preacher that I had from a long time ago. He, I love his preaching, and he would come up with these little sayings, and, and I'm going to share another one here in just a minute. But these demons would come and, and say, Jesus! And they would, and Jesus would just not respond. Well, what do you want? Just don't send us into the deep. Okay, just talking to him. Didn't work out. <laughs> Looked at the demon and said, okay, there's a herd of pigs over there. Go on. And the demons leave and went and dwelt in pigs. And as soon, the Bible says, as soon as the, the pigs were possessed by the demons, <laughs> the pigs ran off the cliff and jumped into the deep. Let's you know, the preacher said, and this is what I, I've always remembered this. Let's you know that even pigs won't put up with some of the spirits humans do. Do you, I need you to understand this. 
the only time, the only time that I read in Scripture when Jesus cries out with a loud voice in one of his miracles is when he calls out to Lazarus, Lazarus, come forth. He didn't walk up to the blind man and say, blind man, be healed. No, he went and he goes, got some mud in his finger, spit on it a little bit. Be healed. Oh, it's not totally done yet? Okay, go, go wash. And when you wash, it'll be all done. Told the man with the other hand, just stretch forth your hand. What am I trying to say? We've gotten such into such an activity of speaking to spirits when there are not any spirits that we should be speaking to. We should be having the dominion over them. Listen, I have seen demonic possessed people and the people that have prayed over them had, didn't get all into a ruckus, didn't you know shout and scream and holler. They just simply started talking to that spirit because I have dominion over the spirits of the, of the enemy because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So when I confront a spirit, I don't have to yell and shout. Shut up. Go away. Be silenced. But see, we've attached spirits to everything. But in Galatians 5, I want you to notice this because this is coming back to this. I haven't left this yet, uh, and I'm just about done. But Galatians chapter 5, verse number 19. Now the works of the flesh. You're not fighting demons. You're fighting yourself. For the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality. It's not a spirit of the enemy. It's your flesh. Impurity. Your impure thoughts have nothing to do with the devil. It has everything to do with the heart that's exceedingly wicked above all things and no man can know it. It's the reason why God wants to transform your mind because the mind is the expression of the heart. Sensuality, idolatry, look at this, sorcery has to do with you and has to do with me, not some evil enemy. Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger. How many have ever gotten so mad that you just thought the devil was playing with you? No, 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 it ain't the devil. It's you and me. I know I'm messing some of you up. Rivalries, dissensions. Let me just tell you something, divisions. It's the reason the church is not attacked by the spirit of the enemy because Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So if there is dissension and division among the church, it's because our flesh has allowed it. <laughs> Some of your faces is funny. Envy. Drunkenness. I'm sorry, but alcoholism is not an evil spirit that needs to be cast out. It's a work of the flesh that needs to be destroyed. Drug addiction is not an evil spirit, it is a work of the flesh that needs to be destroyed. Now, don't get me wrong. Every single one of these, the enemy knows how to use as a tool and as an instrument to mess with your flesh. It's the reason, however, that James said, submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he shall flee from you. Well, pastor, I just need to have deliverance. Well, you probably do, but it's not deliverance from a spirit. It's probably deliverance from your own flesh.
orgies and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who belong to Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us now become conceited. What, what, what's going on? I'll tell you what's going on. Jesus has given to the church, has given to the believers the opportunity to crucify the works of the flesh. Uh, you'll get the depth of this this afternoon. You've got to understand that what God did through his flesh, his role as the son, was to infuse an anointing of the kingdom and an intimacy of the family so that you could do what Paul said in Galatians chapter 2. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who, who loved me and gave himself for me. Listen, all those works of the flesh that I read, what God did for us as believers, he crucified them. And he put his spirit in us. And now my flesh is living by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What I do now, I don't do on my own. I will tell you my human flesh still wants to do all that other stuff, but it's hanging on a tree. And all I can operate now is by the faith. And it's not my faith. I should have had these scriptures up there, but they're all coming to me as I'm preaching. Galatians 2, 2, 20 and 21. It's not my faith. I live by the faith of the Son. I live by the faith of the Son of God. So this arrow up from the church, and I'm coming to a close. Through the, mani for the, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God would be made known to the rulers and the principalities and the authorities in heavenly places. Well, what does that do? What is the church responsible for? What are we responding? Put that last thing back up. I, I, I put the word restored there. But notice where restored is. It's eliminated the prince. The kingdom that God originated before time began. The family that God originated before time began is restored in the church so that the church and God surround the enemy and he is a defeated foe. And now there is nothing in between us and God but his own being. <laughs> uh. So when you're tired, you can look for him for strength. When you're, when you're sore and your spirit is damaged, you don't have to fight through all the junk of your flesh because it's hanging on a tree. You just need to release what Jesus has done in you. 
church, this has to color everything we do. This, this, this concept has got to over and be an umbrella. To, why do we have women's ministry? To restore the kingdom and the family. Why do we have men's ministry? To restore the kingdom and the family. Why do we do Sunday school? To restore the kingdom and the family. Why do we do church to restore the kingdom and the family? Why did God give it to us? I have no idea, but he did. I don't know why God gave us the ministry of reconciliation, but because we are his, it comes onto our shoulders that we need to now attack not people, not flesh, but we need to go on the advancement against the kingdom of this world, the prince and the power of the air. He has not been totally overcome. He has not been cast into the fire pits of hell yet, but there's coming a day that that's going to happen. But there is an advance of the church, the body of Christ here on earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Can I tell you a secret? Stop praying for your children to come back to God and start praying God's kingdom advance into their life. Let me just tell you, I said I was going to close, but something has come over me. There has been a shifting in the spirit right now. Listen, we have been on the defensive for so long. We have tried to rationalize and justify our actions for so long. We have prayed over prodigals for so long. Let me just tell you, it's time to go on the advance. It's time to pray the kingdom into existence. It's time to release what God has already done for us to release it back into the spirit, into the heavenlies. Satan, you have no business using the tools of our flesh against us because our flesh has been crucified with Jesus. If you want to mess with me, you're not just messing with me, my friend. You're messing with the church. The church is the embodiment of the body of Christ. So if you're messing with me, you're messing with the church. And if you're messing with the church, you're messing with him. Do you really want that fight? Listen, I know that there are all kinds of voices in the world. And I'm, I'm talking not just negative voices. There's a lot of positive voices. There's a lot. I think one of the worst things that has happened to the church is the Internet. Because I think people have found preachers to listen to that are good. Hey, I listen to there's I, I listen to messages, I listen to preachers, but it's always through the filter of what's he saying to us. Because here's what you have to understand: that every local assembly has a culture for a culture. My wife mentioned this, and I'm just going to follow up. If you're wanting to get the full benefit of Spirit of Grace Church, you need to zero in on what we're teaching and preaching. Not that any of those others are wrong, but God didn't call them to do what I do. And God didn't call me to do what they do. And so what ends up happening is we get end up getting mixed ideas and thoughts. I, I'm just telling you, this is what God spoke to my wife and I when we came. Oh my God, I'm so sorry about the time. I'm, I'm just about when we came to church, this church to pastor, he said, You've got to do this the way I want you to do it, or it's not gonna work. I I, I, I I'll just be honest with you, I had a conversation with him. I said, well, well, then why did I save all my previous messages? Because it would be so easy to go to the file 
Oh, let me pull this one out. That one did a good job back in the day. I'll tell you why. Not because I'm a better preacher than I was. I hopefully I am. But it's because I'm in a different culture and a different calling and a different ministry. And I can't match what I was. I can only continue to become what he wants me to be. And if you're a part of this church, he's bringing us to something. It's not going to look like any other church because every other church has a different culture. You'll never hear me down or speak down upon a church. If that pastor is seeking God, God may have that church and that pastor for that reason and for that culture. But I can't fall into comparing my culture to his culture. All I can do is what does thus say the word of the Lord to the spirit of Grace Church. And here's what he is speaking to us. I am restoring the kingdom and the family. And if you will be willing to jump on board, you will sense a fresh anointing and a fresh intimacy. You will become powerful in mighty ways and you will become quiet in the spirit. You will do mighty exploits for God and yet there will be those times where it's just still and silent and all you're doing is absorbing my love. In Jesus' name, I invite you to stand.